Take your time, those who are still up here, but those who can't, open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Somebody say, give thanks. Giving thanks in the Bible is a priority of all believers, but I want you to see today in Paul's prayer how important it was to him. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15 is our new passage for the sermon series. Paul's writing his first prayer. He has two prayers in this book. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Let's read verse 16 together because that's the sermon text. One, two, three. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. Thank you. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as his mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realm. See, this run-on sentence is a powerful sentence. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body. What is the body of Christ? What do we call it? What do we call the body of Christ? Come on, one more time. What do we call the body of Christ? The church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We're having nine messages that we're going through in this passage. But I want you to see a pattern of Paul. Paul, he has a prayer here. We just read it in Ephesians. But Paul prays other times in his letters. Look with me now to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1, 8 through 12. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. What does he first want to do? Thank my God. What's the first thing he wants to do? Thank my God. Do you see a pattern there in the book of Romans? Let's go on to the next one. In Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, I always... Now, come on. I've done Bible studies smaller than this with bigger amens. I need your help today. We have four more baby dedications in the second service. We're a little light today, but I need you to pay attention. I need at least four or five of you to say, I came to learn, amen. I've done Bible studies, like I said, with smaller numbers and bigger amens. I need your help. This first service won't be anything less than God's best, amen. 1 Corinthians 1.4 says, I always what? Thank you. I always thank my God for you. Do you see a pattern starting to develop? Let's go to the next one. Ephesians, now going in order. You've already read it, but look at what it says. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord, faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, look at verse 16. I have what? Not stop giving thanks for you. Let's go on now to the next book. What's the sister book to Ephesians? Does anybody remember? Colossians, exactly, but it comes next. I was off. Philippians, and by the way, very close as well to Ephesians, but the next one is Colossians. Philippians, look at Philippians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 3. I what? Thank my God. How many times? How many times? Every time. I thank my God every time I remember you. Now, what's the next book coming? Colossians, thank you for paying attention. Colossians chapter 1, verse 3. We what? 
Always. How often do we thank God? We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we what? When we pray for you. Thank you. Let's keep going. There's more that Paul wrote. Look at the book to Timothy. Where was Timothy stationed when Paul was writing this letter? Ephesians, Ephesus. 2 Timothy 1, 3 through 5 says, I... Thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience. Night and day I remember you in my prayers. Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 2 and onwards. What does he say? We always, come on one more time, we always thank God. Thank you for all of you. Continually mention you in our prayers. Is it over? Is there one more? Is there one more? Come on, he did it again. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3. We ought always, somebody say, we ought always, thank you, to do what? Thank God for you. So we ought to do it. We ought to do it, brothers and sisters, rightly so, because your faith is growing. Is there another place where he thanked God? Yes, there is that book Philemon. It's written to one of the men that used to have a servant that was working for him in an employee-boss relationship, but that servant ran away, got himself in trouble, started committing crimes, and got arrested. And while Paul was in jail for preaching the gospel, This man was there in his cell with him, and Paul led him to the Lord. His name was Onesimus, and he said, Philemon, I have what they would call a slave in those days. He says, I have your runaway slave with me in jail, but he's come to know the Lord. I'm going to send him back to you, but when he comes, don't treat him as a slave, just as a boss to an employee. Treat him as a brother, and he goes one step further. He says, treat him as you would treat me. Anybody that tells you that Christianity promotes uh, racism or slavery has shown you that they are an idiot and don't understand the Bible. Do you understand? If there's any religion that has promoted slavery, it is not Christianity. And I don't have time to go into the Incan religion that promoted slavery. And I don't have time to go into the Mayan religion that promoted slavery. And the African tribal religions that promoted slavery. And the Egyptian uh, religions that promoted slavery. And all of the ancient pagan Roman religions that uh, that commanded slavery. But it is in Christianity where slaves are set free. Where the prisoners are loosed and given another chance to to live life free and where people are told they're not identified by a skin color because there's neither a Jew nor a Greek nor a slave nor a free nor a Scythian nor a Persian but all are one in Christ. Amen. Neither male nor female. That is the Christian religion. Can I hear an amen to that? So here we have Philemon. Chapter 1 verse 4 Paul says to him, I always do what? Thank my God as I remember you in my prayers. Nine places Paul thanks God for people in his prayers. Now, what I love about the Bible is the Bible is true whether science ever proves it's true because science takes scientists, and sometimes scientists are too blind to understand God's truth. But I thank God that God can open the eyes of scientists to see his great mysteries in the natural world. But I'm not waiting for scientists to prove the Bible to me. The Bible's already proven once God said it. Can I hear an amen? 
The Bible is self-attesting to its truth, so I don't need someone else to attest to its truth. I don't need the Bible to give me five prophecies plus three scientific analogies and one miracle to prove me anything. The Bible itself attests itself that it's the Word of God. Think about that for a while. How do you attest that you are a person? (laughs) You're self-attesting as a person, aren't you? Can I attest you're a person? I don't know. Maybe you were kidnapped, body snatched. Some of the older folks might remember those movies. Body snatched last night and replaced with an alien. I don't know. Maybe they made flesh and blood to be a robot and look just like you, but you're a clone. You're really not you. You're somewhere being probed in an alien ship somewhere. How would I know you're really a person? I can't. How would you know? Maybe you're a brain in a vat in a jar somewhere and a scientist is picking at your brain to make you think you're sitting in a church that you freely came to this morning. And as the preacher tells you in a virtual world that you may be a brain in a vat in a jar, that alien wants you to think it's the craziest thoughts, so he shoots a bunch of crazy thoughts into your mind and chemicals to make you react in such a way to say, that's crazy, that's absurd. Hurts your mind to think that way sometimes, doesn't it? I think, therefore, I am. You're self-attesting. Now, the Bible is the exact same way. Now, other people say, well, my book is the same way. My prophet is the same way. And we say, liar, liar, pants on fire. Let's go to the book and the man and see which one stands at the end of the day. Jesus Christ and the Bible always stands. You can test it. You can test it. Trust me, there are evidences for it, but that is not what makes it true, you and I testing it. What makes it true is because God said it's true. Now, somebody may say, well, I don't believe in truth. Well, do you know that's true? The statement, I don't believe in truth? If you've just said, I don't believe in truth, you've just made your first statement and you've just contradicted yourself. You're done. Sit down. Truth exists because God exists. Reality exists because God exists. Everything else leads to absurdity. Everything else leads to redundant ad infinitum to absurdity. Because all I have to do is say is, how do you know what you know? Well, I believe I'm sitting here because I was woken up this morning. How do you know you were woken up this morning? Because my neighbor told me I was up this morning. My, my mother, my wife, how do you know your mother's right? How do you, know? you could just say, how do you know all the way back to infinity? And you would never know anything. You have to stop somewhere and say, because God said God said we were made in his image. That's why we're a person. God said there was truth, and that's why there is truth. Now, why do I say all of that? Because I want to show you that Paul, 2,000 years ago, understood something that still today people don't understand. And that's to thank God always. We're a sinful, rebellious, ungrateful generation that is a spoiled brat mentality, with a spoiled brat mentality, and we wonder why our heroes keep committing suicide, and then we sing their stupid demonic songs as tributes back to them. Talking specifically about Chester Wellington of Lincoln Park taking his life at 41 years old, singing the demonic garbage that he did that led to his suicide. And then all all these rock bands from Coldplay to Machine Gun Kelly want to now imitate his songs and spew the poison to the people. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of trying to explain to gender-confused people why you're so depressed. 
can mutilate your body all you want. Suicide rates are higher after the surgery than they are before. Google it if you don't believe me. I'm tired of racism. I'm tired of classism. I'm tired of every creature of God shaking their fist at God saying, I don't like your world. And then they complain to say now they don't like their life. You ungrateful sinner. Go read Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God to understand what sinners are like when they do that to God. They are like a gnat buzzing around the Father in His creation, buzzing and annoying Him until His judgment comes and says, you're done. A spider, Jonathan Edwards said in the 1800s. People say preaching like this will offend people. It will offend them and get their mind right. Yes, it will. It's about time we stop singing tribute songs of the poison. It's it's about time we stop running to politics to save us. Donald Trump won't save me. I voted Republican, yes, because there was not going to be a a woman up there that believed in an infanticide of my vote. You may say he was all these other things. Okay, I had a choice between a misogynistic, you could even say racist. I don't believe he's quite racist. I think he's opportunistic. But I had the choice between a misogynistic racist or a genocidal maniac. Okay? But I understand this. Trump's not my hero. He doesn't save me. Donald Trump doesn't save me. More police won't help us. I've been watching my brother right now in Afghanistan. Do you even know why he's a master sergeant? Do you even know why boots are on the ground in Afghanistan right now? Why our brothers and sisters have to lay down their lives? Because there are people who believe demons spoke to a man for that demonic religion, and we're having to fight that wicked evil right now. And I hope you never have to watch the videos I've had to watch of what demonic things come into their minds. And what they do. Do you understand? We don't even understand why we are the way we are. because we're ungrateful. We don't know the God of the universe. The height of our technology. The height of everything we have. And we can't thank God for nothing. These stupid teachers in these academic settings won't even allow us to thank God for our brains and education. You can't even come before the colleges that were established by Christians with Latin Bible verses as their mottos, Harvard, Princeton, Yale, and say, thank God for what he's done. Is it any wonder we have all these things and yet we're so empty right here? Was Paul teaching us something? He's in a jail cell while he's writing this. While the maniac Roman government is trying to kill him and everybody like him and distinguish what they are now calling to be a sectarian cult. And yet while he writes most of these letters, especially the book of Ephesians, it looks like he's on the side of a beach in Boca Raton. It looks like he's a sun-kissed pastor that's been on his bike riding for a while. Looks like his life is easy. Paul 
Paul, every time I get a letter from you, all you're doing is thanking God and praising the Lord and talking about how much you love us and all the faith that you see and all the prayer. Paul, I, I, would, I would think for a minute, Paul, that you must be on top of the world. Or could it be? That Paul knew something that 21st century numbnuts don't understand. That 21st century nincompoops don't understand. What, what, what 21st century cotton-headed ninny-moggins don't understand. Those are Christians, Christian words of saying Things about fools. Are you listening to me? If you think that's bad, listen to Jesus. Whitewashed tombs, serpents, snakes, called Herod a fox. Probably the equivalent of a female cat or dog. He called him a fox. I don't know if it was quite a swear word of their time, but it wasn't something you would want to call the guy in charge. Are you listening? Okay. You all get, you all woke this morning? I wonder if there's something Paul understood as a man without a phone, without a computer, without all of these transgender issues, without all of these vegan dietary issues, without all of this confusion of world religions, without all of this political nonsense. I wonder if there was something he understood in a Roman jail cell that we need to understand today. To have power and victory. And that's to be thankful to God. That's to have a life of thanksgiving. That whenever you open your mouth and you start to pray, it is not a prayer, oh me, oh my. It is not a prayer, oh what's going on in the world today. It is not a prayer of despair, oh help me God. It is a prayer, thank God from whom all blessings flow. I praise God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. I thank God that He's walked with me through every valley. He's never forsaken me. I thank God for my brothers. I thank God for my sisters. I thank God for the church of Jesus Christ. I thank Him for His Word. I thank Him for His power. Oh, to God that we would get a life. Look at your neighbor and say, get a life. A prayer life. Oh, to God that we would get a prayer life. Why? Because the world psychology today has now shown us what we knew 2,000 years ago. What does gratefulness do? And all I, I literally just copied the whole article here just to just tell it back to the devil, almost just like this. Just like this. Uh, just invite me to Lollapalooza, please. Invite me to Lollapalooza while they're about ready to sing that Linkin Park demonic song, Shut it down. Here is your answer. Every one of you young people, bow your knees and be grateful to the God who gave you air to breathe. Repent of your sin and your rebellions against that holy God. Follow his commandments as you get up off the floor, and he will direct your past. He will put a pep in your step, a smile upon your face. He'll give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. And yes, it takes one to know one. I am a peer to him, to Chester Bennington, and I was no, or he was no worse a sinner than me. I was just like him. 
And the only thing that the difference is, is I got saved before my band made it. But I was in a band almost identical to him. All of my friends were catching on to that. Rap, rock, rap, rock. Oh, let's just put them together. We were right there with all of them. Limp Biscuit, P.O.D., all of it. Smoking and doing drugs, going after the ladies. It was God's mercy that saved me. What do you think he would want now if he's not in heaven? I don't know. Let's not judge. But if he were to be in hell now, what do you think he would want? To be an 18-year-old kid that got saved and never had stardom, plastered a church in a storefront, or to become one of the biggest rock stars out there and take his life by hanging himself? What do you think he would choose now in hell if that's where he is? He would say, dear God, let me out one more time. Come on. Come on, Jesus, let me out. Let me out, Jesus. Give me one more chance. Give me one more chance, Jesus. I'll be a baker. I'll do whatever you tell me, Jesus. Jesus, I'll go. I'll be a missionary. Let me out, Jesus. Let me out, Jesus. Let me out. He is screaming to no one. His judgment has come if he doesn't know the Lord. I'm not judging him because the Bible says we know no man's soul and where it goes. I'm not saying he's in hell. I'm just saying if, 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 because that's the revelation Jesus gave me. When I was 18 years old and I was saved from drugs and alcohol and then I became a pastor around 22 years old and I would pastor in the inner city and nobody wanted it and they all wanted to be like Little Wayne or at that time it was the hot boys and wanted to be like Snoop Dogg. I would have to take a break and go to the beach of Pensacola and I would be out there fishing on the beach of Pensacola and I could hear just in the distance with the lights flashing. I could see the parties on the beach. All by myself. Some of you can't be trusted with 10 people around you. I wonder what you would do all by yourself. Out there in Pensacola, Florida. Music playing. Nobody's going to know. After all, you deserve it. You've been working hard. Little one night fling won't hurt anybody. After all, I'm holy. God forgives. And like my brother was just weeping a moment ago, tears would come down my eyes. And I would say, Jesus, you are worth it. You are worth it all. I would rather be here by myself, fishing, knowing that you love me, that you are my God and Savior, than to go with the crowd on a highway to hell. Now where are they? Where's that DJ that was there that night? Probably strung out on drugs somewhere. Where's that girl that was shaking it to show the world what her mama gave her? Probably caught three STDs on her second marriage right now, taking Prozac to get through life. And they say we're crazy. They say we've lost our minds. No, my friends, we found the secret to living. The secret to living is in Jesus Christ. The secret to living is a grateful life. This is what they say. Psychology today, here it is. Gratitude opens the door to more relationships. Gratitude improves your physical health. Gratitude improves physiological health. Gratitude enhances sympathy and reduces aggression. I don't know about that, but I understand I'm aggressive for Jesus now. Let's put it that way. Gratitude, grateful people sleep better. Gratitude improves self-esteem. Gratitude increases mental strength. Seven scientifically proven benefits of gratitude. 
Get a life, a prayer life, a prayer life that's grateful to God and is believing for his will to be done on the earth as it is in heaven. Can I hear an amen? Before we go, I got to say it to you sitting down because I'll get too aggressive again. Anxious minds will be set free in thanksgiving. I can't speak towards schizophrenia. I can't speak towards ADHD, ADD. But I can speak towards two particular things that are tormenting people all over the world right now. And they're some of the biggest. Depression and anxiety. And I want you to listen to me. Gratefulness will heal your soul. Many of you did it without even knowing. You got saved and instantly you found yourself with a PMA, a positive mental attitude. And some of you just haven't left it. And thankfully, that's what you have kept. But others of you have gotten saved and you have walked away from it. And you don't understand what you are doing. You think it's optional, but I am telling you, depression and anxiety is a result of a mind that is not at rest in Christ. And I have 20 books on neuroscience. I got all the best books. Don't think I'm just telling you what some pastor said. I got every best book. I got the best one right now where they figured out with MRIs what your brain looks like when it's depressed. The number one guy who's done about 10,000 MRIs. I got his book. Every single thing I'm telling you is true. Medication only does one thing. It stops the physical body so your mental life can interact now better with your physical body. It slows you down. That's what it does. My time's going off because I keep going too long on Sundays. Help me, Jesus. I got three minutes to say this. I'm trying to counsel you guys. Listen to me. Listen to me right here. The number one guy who wrote on anxiety had himself anxiety and had to rewrite his book. Here was the problem. They were thinking they could drug you up as a generation. It started off as a kid, you know, giving you Ritalin and all this stuff. A lot of young adults here track with me. Older people, though, your suicide rates are high too. But listen, young people, start with you. They drugged you up, and you thought that drugs would help you, and that's what Chris Cornell was on. That's what Chester Bennington was on. And they don't help you for this sense. They'll help your body cool down a little bit. Don't deny your doctor the chance to help you. I'm not saying go against doctor's advice, but you've got to understand what the doctor's telling you if they're using the best medical information right now. You have got to interact with your mind to your brain. You have got to speak to yourself. They, 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 they call this neuroelasticity. Look it up right now. Neuroelasticity. Keith Ward, one of the greatest on this right now, has helped OCD patients reprogram their brain. You have to do this and guard your heart through thanksgiving. And many, many, many of you think the devil is attacking you, but it is a mind attacking you. It is a physical attack against you. And you can scream at the devil all you want, but until you know how to take those thoughts captive, you will not be free. And so you look at people like me, okay? I'm just speaking to a particular person right now. You are a Christian and it's not working and you look at a person like me and you think we are different and you do not understand the problem. The problem is you're not working the word. That's why it's not working for you. Now, you may say, Pastor, you're going to make me feel condemned. It's all my fault and all this. No, no, no. This is what I'm telling you. You've got to cooperate with the Holy Spirit to get out of stinking thinking. You must cooperate. You must, okay? For the next person here, you're a Christian, you're battling for your mind, and now a situation comes, a loss of a child, 
tremendously painful. My mother went through it. My sister died drinking and driving. Uh, you lose a job as a man. Most men attach their identity to their jobs, and it's just everything in your world is shaken. It's just everything. The worst time I ever went through in my life was when I was without a job for three months, okay? Listen, and what you think is that something is wrong with you. Something is wrong. I'm feeling these feelings. No, what you're doing is re-identifying yourself because you cannot attach your identity to a thing. Don't love that thing. That thing will never love you back. You understand? And so what God is teaching you is to be thankful beyond the thing. So what did I have to do during those three months as the attack came? And it wasn't necessarily a demon. Now watch what the devil does. This is a side issue, spiritual warfare. We'll get to it, Nahum, in, 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 in Ephesians 6, because I know you want to beat up some demons, right? Nahum, fuego, didios. Ah, en el nombre de Jesucristo. We're going to chase them down and cut off their tails. Amen. But listen, listen, before we go off chasing demons, you got to understand what's happening here. What's happening here is you had a rock of your identity. Your mental state changed. Every day you would wake up in the morning, alarm goes off, I'm, I'm a salesman. I'm a salesman, I have to go make sales. i got to go make sales, I'm going to make sales. Okay, boss, I'm going to make sales, I'm going to make sales. And you see, speaking primarily to men right now, although this can happen to women, but I'm just speaking from a man's perspective, you got fired, you got laid off, a recession saw this all over the place. You wake up now, what am I? See how it happens? That's why it happens for retirees. High suicide rate for retirees. I got to get up. I'm the CEO. Got to get up. I'm, in, I'm this. I got to get up. Got to get it. You know, got to get the done. Got to get up. Got to get up. Who am I? They call this the empty nest syndrome. I'm a mom. I'm a mom. I'm a mom. Got to be a mom today. It's time to be a mom today. Got mom things to do today. Kids are at school. Who am I? College. Who am I? You understand? What you have to do at time, be thankful. Be thankful. Lord, I thank you that I'm your child today. I thank you that there's breath coming through my lungs today. I thank you, Lord, that I get to brush my teeth today. You just start doing that. Amen. You look at yourself. I thank you that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, even though I need some help today. Praise God. Get some acne. I'm 40 years old, and I still get acne, Jesus, but I know I'm fearfully and wonderfully made today. God, I thank you. Thank you that my legs are walking today. If I don't have legs, thank you that my arms are moving this wheelchair today. Thank you, God, that I'm seeing today. If I can't see, thank you that I'm hearing today. Come on, somebody. And, Lord, I thank you today that I have a purpose. I have a purpose to share your love with others, and I'm going to find out what that looks like today. And it may be a different job. It may be uh, doing things differently with children, not my children. I'll start volunteering. I'll start going to the school, being a crossing guard. Lord, I'm going to find something else to do, but my identity is in you, and I'm thankful. Does everybody get that? i got to go through another example. You're a high schooler. You're a high school, and your body is changing, and you're going through all these hormonal changes. You're going through all these issues, and the problems start to come into your mind, and your parents are divorcing, and you're going through hell on earth. This may be some young people in this place even right now. I'm not talking to you particularly, but I'm just trying to help you here. And everything in your brain will say, this is not the way life is supposed to be, you know. This is why 16-year-olds hang themselves. This is, this is the problem of life. But what you need to do is you need to thank God for his promises. You need to say, God, thank you that that." You gave me a promise to have a family one day because I'm telling you, just because right now your parents are throwing away their family doesn't mean you won't have a family one day. One day you will wake up and you will see a beautiful wife, a beautiful husband laying next to you in bed. You will have children in your home. The laughter of their sounds will fill their ears. Come on, somebody. And you need to walk through that valley giving God thanks for things you do not see yet. You cannot wait for it to come. You thank him now. Okay? And this is the last one, because one day we're all going to die. When we are facing death, we do it with Jesus. I watched my aunt meet the Lord. She was a powerful woman of God, over 
close to 50 years knowing Jesus. She came to Jesus in her 20s, and she had um, bone cancer. One of the worst, they say, because you can just feel it everywhere, and it just attacks it. And she's in the hospice, and just pumped full of morphine. Some of you have heard the story, and she just, I'm there with her, and she just keeps touching the button, you know, whatever that is. And she just wanted more and more and more. Her mouth is so dry, but she can't drink because her body's not functioning. But she had worship music on, and she was thankful. What was she thankful for? That even in the valley of the shadow of death, Jesus still hadn't left her. She was thankful, and she spoke God's word. And you see, my friends, that's how we die in this world. That's how we die. We go out thanking him for the life that he's given us. We praise God in the good days. We praise him in the bad days. We surrender our life to him. Paul understood something. And I, I come to the second service. You want to hear me do this again because I'm going to do it a lot better in the second service. I had so many things in my heart, but I pray that you got something today. Are you listening? Or listen to the tape because the tape's always the second service. Listen to me. We better wake up that we need to start thanking God for stuff in life. I just got to say it one more time, guys. You do not have a choice in this matter to choose your consequence. You have a choice to make your choice, but not your consequence. And so if you look at the world you're living in and you don't like the consequences, your Apple, you know, your Bill, whatever his name is, Steve Jobs, you've built a billion-dollar company, but everybody around you hates you, including your wife and kids from multiple marriages. You're listening. You've lost sight of what you're here for. Career won't make you happy. Money won't make you happy. Paul is sitting in a jail cell, and he says, all I have to do when I start doing, uh, uh, all I have to do to be thankful is start thinking about you, and I get happy. And all I have to do is start thinking about God, and I get happy. All I got to do is start praying, and my whole mindset changes. And that's why his body was healthy in the sense that he was uh, physiologically in good health. His mind was healthy. He was able to function. He was in good relationships. He wasn't bitter. He didn't have to complain on Facebook every five minutes about the problems of his life. Come on, somebody. And he was able to walk in victory. How many are going to be thankful today? Can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's give it up for Jesus. Come on, stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. Band, would you come please with altar workers? I pray today that we're thankful. Let's start right now. Thank God for three things in your life. If you're not saved, ask God to save you right now and then thank him for doing it. Thank him for dying on the cross for you. Come on, thank God for three things in your life right now. You cannot complain. You cannot live in that mindset and expect to make it in this world. You cannot make your identity, money, job, career, even as something as noble as your family, and expect to make it, my friends. you got to find your identity in Christ today and be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. If you've already hit three, go to ten. Come on, be thankful. Be thankful. Guard yourself against anxiety right now. Be thankful. Do not worry about tomorrow, the Bible says. Do not worry about tomorrow. God commanded it. God commanded it. Don't worry about germs. Don't worry about those things. Train your mind. Come on, speak to your brain right now. I will trust God. I will trust God. I will trust God. Put an end to the broken record. Put an end to the infinite regress of madness. Put an end to it right now. I will find my trust in God. If I live or die, it's Him. It's all for Him. Every fear will dissipate.
You will learn to face every fear right now in Jesus' name with a grateful heart. It's not your life. You didn't give it. God says he gave it. He knows when it's time to go. Every person dealing with suicide, every person dealing with depression right now say, I am thankful. I am thankful. I am thankful for my life. I will not let emotions dictate me. I will not let circumstances dictate me. I will not let random thoughts dictate me right now. Come on. Those of you getting attacked in certain areas, maybe a job loss, a marriage going bad, something in your life where it's like it's a nag. It comes at you. It's a pebble in your shoe right now. Come at that thing with thankfulness, whatever it is. I was thankful at my sister's funeral. I said, today's a good day. God is with us. Sun is shining. The Lord is here. All broken hearts will be healed. Life will go on. Mom, you will find peace. Let's go. Let's go. That's how we go through life, friends. We trust God. It's not wishing in a well. It's not PMA. It is the trust in the Lord. This is what the old timers used to talk about. Get it, get it right now before we go. Come on, get serious with your mental life. Get serious with the way you look out across this world. I want every one of you as you get ready to go to work tomorrow to shake people's hands and say it's a good day. It's a good day. It's Monday. It's a good day. Let's go. I want you to go home today. Have your dinner. Look across your family. Look across that person at McDonald's. I don't care who you're with and where you're at. I want you to look at them today and say it's a good day. God's with us. Let us pray and bless this food. Let us pray and bless this country. Let us pray, pray and bless even things we know need to change. We bless our country, though we know it needs to change. We bless our marriages, though we know they need to change. We bless our enemies, though they know we know they need to change. Because unless God's blessing gets in the middle of that, nothing changes. In the name of Jesus, we will be thankful. Oh, I will be thankful. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, before we go, sing it out today. Whatever the Lord puts in your heart. Thank you, Lord. If that's what the Lord puts in your heart, what Adam has, sing it out. If not, sing out in your own words today. Thank you, Jesus. Do you know that singing songs has an entirely related, it's a different set of benefits, but it's almost identical. It affects different parts of your body, but it's almost identical to what singing will do for you. Look it up, the positive effects of singing. And the Bible says sing to each other, make music with each other, and give praise to God. Come on, stay on one key. Whatever that root key is, put it on right now. There we go. Let's just lift up our voices. Everybody lift up their voices. Come on, I don't want the band to take your song today. Lift up your voices. Come on in your own words. Like a child, sing a song, a melody from your heart. We love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. Do you know that they found out that shouting can break anxieties, uh, anxiety cycles? Sometimes you got to shout. Come on. They tell you now that shouting can break sets of worry that won't break in your mind because it stirs up your body. It redirects adrenaline. It gets the mind to think on something different when you shout. 
They tell you just to say, stop it. You know, stop anxiety. They tell you to shout that. But I want us to shout the name of Jesus, the name that's above every name on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus. Come on, let's do it again. One, two, three. Jesus. One more time. One, two, three. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Stop just for a second, please. I'm just walking you through my prayer closet right now. I pray. I speak in tongues. I shout aloud. That's what Paul did. Now what we're going to do is we're going to pray in tongues. You know why? They did studies on us. Those who speak in tongues have better mental health lives than those who don't. Don't believe me. Look it up. They've got the documentation. Those who speak in tongues on a regular basis have a better mindset than those who don't. Already Christians have a better mindset than those who don't, but those who speak in tongues. Look it up. This ain't just four Christians playing around with a beaker somewhere. This is real deal. Unbelievers did this study on us. Why? What does speaking in tongues do? Listen to me. Speaking in tongues is a spiritual language from heaven. That comes to you and through you. Language is information. Now watch this. I'm going to close my eyes so I can focus on heaven while I tell you this. Language is information. Sound is vibration. Information, vibration. Reduce it down scientifically. Information, vibration. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word is the sound and the vibration of the creative force of the Father. He's what projects the Father's thoughts and desires. Now watch this. When you and I speak in English over our minds, the Bible says we're limited only by what we can understand to pray for ourselves. And that's why prayer is so important. I believe that people can sign language, but you got to remember that's a handicap. That is a deficient voice. We were created in the image of God with a voice. So we pray that God moves in the sign language, but the power that comes through the voice to the ears to the mind is phenomenal. It's an amazing thing. But now watch. Tongues bypasses, Paul says, what we understand in this scenario and speaks to heaven. And the way that I understand it and explain it to others is when we used to do dial-up for internet, you would hear these weird sounds happening over the phone line, and what it was was connecting and con uh, connecting information. And I believe 2,000 years later, we're starting to understand what tongues does to the mind. It is the vibrations of heaven, the sounds of God. It is rewriting hardware. Remember I said neuroplasticity? With the neurons in your brain, I believe it rewrites the brain. It rewrites the mind. It renews the mind. Are you listening to me? If you think that's spooky and you don't believe it, here, just do this. Bible says be filled with the Holy Spirit, speak in other tongues, shikaboomba. You want it like that? Okay, there you go. Now, what I want us to do on the count of three, I don't want us to be awkward about it, but on the count of three, I just want us to speak in tongues. You don't have to scream it. You can if you want, but I want you to beep, beep, whoop. I want you to connect to heaven and let it flow through you. And if you haven't received the Holy Spirit yet, as we do this, just place your hands over your stomach just as a sign of surrender. It's like the Bible says, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. 
Just say, Lord, flow through me. Don't overthink it. Don't condemn yourself if you don't get it. Don't try to sound like somebody else. All that stuff's silly. I got baptized with the Holy Spirit by myself, um, you know, just boom, in my bedroom. So it don't even matter. But while we're praying, I don't want you to feel left out. Just put your hand over your stomach and say, Lord, give me the languages of heaven. And as a second, uh, just reiteration, remember Paul, he spoke in tongues. Remember Peter, those guys, they spoke in tongues, Acts chapter 2. You'll understand it better with this definition. But even if you don't understand my definition, just understand they were speaking in tongues they had not learned, okay? But on the count of three, we're going to start speaking in tongues. And then we're going to start rewriting some programs in our mind. And we're going to let God bring faith alive. And as we do, we're going to start imagining things. Let God just take your imagination. Let your mind go free. See yourself in moments of pleasure or moments of intimacy or moments of accomplishment. Let God start giving you visions of what he wants you to accomplish in life. This is how we can see what we can't see. Amen? In the mind's eye, enlightenment. We'll talk about this next time. But we're going to let the tongues flow. In the name of Jesus, all of us be filled right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Speak in other tongues as the Lord leads you right now. Right now, in Jesus' name, be filled. We're not weird. We're just wired to heaven. Come on. We're not weird. We're just wired to heaven right now. Whoa. Whoa. Some of you got to let the emotion come through. Some of you holding back right now. Tears about coming down your eyes. Let it through right now. Some of you feel like laughing right now. Let it out right now. Joy. Some of you feel like shouting. Come on. Don't hold back. Emotions are godly when they're directed by the Spirit. Come on. Don't force it. But I'm just saying, let them flow. Let emotional healing come through you right now. Let emotional healing come through you right now. Come on, some of you haven't laughed in a while. Let the Holy Spirit make you have joy. Some of you haven't wept in a while. Come on, let the tears come down your face. Jesus, some of you haven't had passion in a while. Give God a shout as you're speaking in tongues. You let Him touch your emotions. Let Him set you on fire. Jesus. Jesus, come on, let the emotion come. Let the emotion come. Let the emotion come. We don't need to stir it up, but just let it come. Let healing come. Some of you are speaking in tongues right now, and you're wondering why you want to cry. It's because God wants to heal the pain you've been hiding. Come on. Some of you have lost your passion. And as you're speaking in tongues, you know you want to shout, but you're wondering what your neighbor's going to think about you. You need to let that out. Stop being so dignified and pretending all the time. You need to let it out today. This is a battle for your soul. It's a battle for your mind. Our weapons are not physical. They're not carnal, but they are mighty through God. 
a few more moments speaking in tongues and then we'll close with the